Remember, we're going to just carry on with our studies, so turning over to Colossians chapter 3 for our study this evening as we continue thinking about the Christian's clothes that Paul commands us in verse 12 to put on. And we come to the fourth item this evening, which is, Paul calls here, meekness. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. Now, last week we were considering, obviously, the previous one, the humbleness of mind or humility, this grace of lowliness that we were saying stands in direct opposition to pride and haughtiness. And I made the the point at the very start of our study last time that this particular grace really is the foundation for these next four graces that we're considering. Foundations are unseen, but a good foundation enables the building to be constructed, and humility is that unseen, that inner virtue that allows these next four graces, as it were, to be built. Humility is the the bedrock of uh, meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if you Uh, Remember, we noted three key steps to true uh, Christian humility. There was the need for a a true understanding of God. And this was then followed by a correct view of ourselves. And we saw, didn't we, how we're creatures and sinful creatures. And then lastly, it will lead on to a high estimation of others. And these steps of humility will then enable us to then put this meekness that we're thinking about this evening on. And so then... I want to turn to uh, meekness with you this evening and I want to just think about three things and an explanation of this grace, then how we are to exercise this grace and then lastly we'll just think of some examples of this grace. So then starting this evening with an explanation of this, this grace, something you begin to uh, notice when you read various commentaries and you look up these words in Bible dictionaries is how difficult it can be to summarise succinctly uh, these graces. There are often areas of overlap and the similarities and trying to explain them without mixing them and and fusing them together can be uh, very difficult. And uh, Yet when we come here to Colossians chapter 3, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he clearly lists these four things as distinct uh, items, separate garments that we're to put on. He clearly sees a distinction between them and so it's worth our while trying to ascertain uh, the uniqueness of each of these graces so that we can, uh, as we understand them, we can then put them on. Uh, And so this evening I want to try and explain from scripture what this term meekness is. I want to try and uh, define it for us Uh, because when we understand what meekness is then we will know how it is that we're to put it on, how it is that we're to uh, cultivate it with the Holy Spirit's help. Uh, If we don't understand what the grace is, then it's difficult to put it on. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, saying to your children, put your coat on or put your jumper on. They say, well, which one? And you say, well, the blue one. Well, which blue one? You have to specify which one you want them to put on. And if we don't know which one or what it is about meekness, then we won't know how to put this grace on. And I think the first thing that we can say in connection to meekness is that meekness is not weakness. The world's view of meekness is that, isn't it? It's, it's just 
weak human beings. Rather, the, the meek person is the person who you know, doesn't bow and scrape to anybody and everybody. He's not somebody who's just happy to comply to everyone's wishes, you know, irrespective of what it is. That's, that is weakness. Far from it, the meek person is still a principled person. Moses, for example, we're told, wasn't he, was meek, and yet he was still a very principled person. He was still holding to the law fervently in his life. He still didn't give in to those who wanted to do things that were contrary to the law of God. And, and you see this through scripture, you see this particularly in the lives of the martyrs, don't you? The martyrs were very often meek people, but they displayed great courage and were principled. There was a tenacity as they held to the truth. Furthermore, I think we could also add that meekness is not a placid spirit or a, you know, a natural quietness of character. Some people are naturally shy, aren't they? Their disposition is perhaps less forward than other people. They're very happy to quietly sit in the corner to go unnoticed. And, of course, such people may be very pleasant people, may be very pleasant to get on with. But that isn't the same as the Christian's meekness. Martin Lloyd-Jones uses the illustration of two dogs. You can have two dogs, the same breed. One can be very pleasant and one can have a nasty temper, as it were. But that's just a purely a biological difference. And that can be the same, we're talking here about uh, the Christian meekness and people's character. One person can be particularly grumpy, another person can be particularly sweet, and that's just a biological difference, as it were. But instead, meekness, like kindness, as we were thinking a few weeks ago, belongs only to the believer. It belongs only to the person who is walking in the Spirit. It's the special fruit of the Holy Spirit, isn't it, in the heart's of his saints and that's why Paul also mentions meekness when he's describing the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5 22 and 23 I'll just read you those familiar words but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance and so meekness is a grace that belongs only again we might say to the believer and so then we come to say well what, what actually is meekness how are we to define it? Well, the meek person, we could say, quietly submits themselves to God and is gentle towards all men. These, those who are meek are not sensitive about themselves. They're not watching out for their own interests, but instead they deny themselves and they take up their cross and follow Christ. And while they are not sensitive of themselves, they do have a sensitivity towards God's and a sensitivity towards the will and the mind of God's. Psalm 112, uh, I think, summarises this disposition of the meek believer. Those words there describe the heart of the believer as being fixed, don't they? Remember what it says there, he shall not be afraid 112 verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. There is the the meek person. The believer is even-tempered. He's neither in turmoil or restless because the Lord is his portion. And so he's meek. And not only is there a a sensitivity towards the will and, and the word of God, but there's also a sensitivity to others and to their needs. Meekness, in a sense, is the opposite of envy. 
know, the meek delight in the good of others. They delight in their prosperity. And they're also willing to accept help from others. I think we can too often be proud, can't we, to accept others' gifts or others' advice or knowledge or help. But you see, the meek person instead is willing to be sensitive to others, willing to listen to what they have to say. I think there's three key aspects to meekness uh, that I want to draw your attention to uh, this evening. And I think firstly, the meek person is flexible. The meek person is someone who is flexible. And I don't mean here someone who's pliable. You know, someone who's pliable is easily twisted and bent and moved by other people. But the, the meek person instead, he, he's not sensitive to themselves, but he is sensitive, as we said, to others. He's willing to be cooperative, willing to accommodate others. You know, not stubborn, not digging the heels in, but he's obliging. And they do it, of course, insofar as it's not contrary to God's words. They're willing to comply with others as long as it's not breaking the law of God. If you just turn with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, Peter gives these instructions, which is displaying this meekness here, this this flexibility. Verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Peter here is exhorting this, this flexibility. Be subject to one another. Listen to one another. And be, in this sense, flexible. And you notice how there it's all built upon this humility again. He links this being subject to this humbleness of minds. I think the second key aspect that we could say to a meek person is not only will there be this being flexible, but there will also be peaceable. They are someone who are after harmony. And not conflict. They are cool, as it were, when others are hot. And so the meek person may bear injury and forgive injury. And in order to promote peace, they're willing to recompense good for evil. They're willing to do that which is right, even when others are doing that which is wrong. Matthew Henry says this about the meek. He says, The meek are rarely and hardly provoked, but quickly and easily pacified. They would rather forgive 20 injuries than revenge one because they have the rule of their own spirits. And so the meek will listen to others, and there's an open-mindedness as they listen to others. And so they have an agreeableness about them. Not it's like if you're in a room with someone who constantly says the opposite to what you say. It's infuriating, isn't it? And it creates this friction, because they constantly are against you. But we're to be agreeable people. If you just... Turn with me to James, for example, James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and verse 17. He says this, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated. He says this, this, this heavenly wisdom is it's pure, but it's peaceable. You know, in an argument, in pride, we can often refuse to back down, can't we? Even when we realise that we're wrong. But James is telling us here, no, look, the wisdom says you're peaceable. Wisdom says that you are easy to be entreated. And so we should have this, this mindset with this meekness that we want to be agreeable with others. 
And, you know, even when we hold to the truth, and of course we should hold to the truth, Jude reminds us, doesn't he, that we're to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, but we're still to do it peaceably and with meekness. Too many people have, uh, in a sense, ruined their profession of faith through an, a disagreeableness as they try and hold tenacity onto the truth. And they've done it in an unpleasant way. But we're to do it peaceably. We're to do it with this meekness. And that's why Paul says in Galatians, if you just go back to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, even when we have this, the truth and we, we know that we're right in that sense, we're to do things in this peaceable way. He says in Galatians 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. So even when you you go with that that word perhaps of rebuke, you're to do it in the spirit of meekness. Do it peaceably. You could go on to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy in chapter 2, and you have a similar concept there. Paul's giving advice to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. He says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. So he says, you know, Timothy, don't go in there, you know, barge open the door and and, and tell them where they're going wrong and tell them what to do and, and, and do it with this sort of gruff, you know, I've got the answer, here's what you're supposed to do. He says, no, in meekness instructing these people. And he says there that if you, you, know, you notice if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You see, a meek spirit is likely to win people over far more than this, you know, the, the opposite of to, to that. I was always told you can catch more flies with honey. And, and that's the same concept, isn't it? That we're to, we're to be sweet in the way that we deal with people, even when we, we have the truth. We're to be meek. And I think this leads us on to our third aspect of meekness because the meek person is not only to be flexible, not only to be peaceable, but they're also to be gentle. I don't know, some of those verses you'll have noticed that gentleness and meekness are often combined. Uh, we had that there in Timothy, that the, we should be gentle, and, and you often find these two concepts together in Scripture. You have it with the fruit of the Spirit, for example, in Galatians 5, again, verse 22. Gentleness is mentioned there. Or you could go to Titus, Titus chapter 3, Titus chapter 3 and verse 2. Titus 3 and verse 2, Paul says, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. We're to be those who have this, this gentleness about us. We're to be gentle men. We're to be gentle ladies in that sense. I like uh, Brackle's illustration of what meekness is. He likens meekness to uh, the material velvet. And he says this, Velvet remains soft, irrespective of whether it is handled roughly or gently, whether it's stroked by a soft hand or a hand which is rough and callous. He says this should be also true of the meek person. We should be like velvet. No matter whatever somebody says to us, or no matter how somebody behaves to us, we're to be, have this gentleness, this softness uh, with them. You know, and 
we're, we're to have uh, soft answers to rough questions. We're to be those who reply in a soft way. And what Proverbs says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. And this was how Paul was so often when he went around the churches and when he was writing to the Thessalonians, he, he said, I came with this meekness, he says, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. He says, this is how we, we were. This is how, I, this is how I behaved myself. There was a meekness, a gentleness, just like a, a mother looking after her child. And of course, we see this, don't we, displayed most eminently in Christ, this velvet meekness and gentleness. Paul actually tells us in 2 Corinthians, um, when he's exhorting the people there, he throws in this comment, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, which describes the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Paul says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence and base among you. Again, there's the humility again linked with meekness, but being absent and bold toward you. And so he, he tells us here that Christ, there was a meekness in Christ and a gentleness of Christ. And again, we see these two graces linked together. Christ was meek, Christ was gentle. And so as we put all of these, these, these things together, we see the person who is meek has this quiet, this calm spirit, even amidst the vexations of life. They have a flexibility and there's a peaceableness about their nature and they have this gentleness. And I think that when we see someone who is displaying this meekness, who's wearing this, this garment of, of meekness, it's beautiful, isn't it? The world doesn't understand it. It thinks that you know, we should assert our rights. It thinks that we should promote ourselves. It thinks it's good to be you know, uh, bold and outgoing and be this, this personality that you know, everybody's so bouncy, tigger-like, as it were. Christian meekness is an anathema. But in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, there's a wonderful expression that Peter uses here. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. He says here, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. In other words, Peter says, well, this is what God values. This is what God prizes. This is what God loves to see in his believers. He loves to see the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Jeremy Burroughs, the Puritan, says, God does not prize the gay things in the world, gold and silver and land and possessions and crowns. You know, he says, well, what are these to God's? But he goes on to say, nor does he regard the nations of the world with all their pomp and glory, but a meek and a quiet spirit God prizes. And that's why Jesus says, doesn't he, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so that's, uh, I think, an explanation of this grace. But let's move on to the exercising of this grace. How are we to then display this grace? And I think we can say that this is done in two ways. One is a meekness towards God, and the other is a meekness towards man. And uh, the last of those two is I don't particularly want to think about this evening because I think this, this meekness towards man is primarily displayed through the next three graces. You notice in, in Colossians 3 we have long, long-suffering, 
forbearing one another and forgiving one another, they really display, in a sense, meekness in that horizontal direction. Instead, what I want us to think about a little bit this evening is that meekness that is towards God's. We said in our definition that meekness involves this quiet submission to God, and this flows from what we were saying last week. We, we only have this meekness towards God when we come to a true understanding of who God is. It's only when we realise his glory and his holiness and his justice, and we realise who we are, that we will, in humility, approach him and have this, this meekness. And I think this, this vertical meekness falls into two areas. And the first is a, a sensitivity to God's will. And uh, this avenue, particularly of meekness, will mean that the believer will gratefully accept whatever the Lord gives him, whatever the Lord in his providence provides for us. So we will not get angry with God when our lot in life is hard and difficult. We will not grow sullen when you know, trials come. Rather, there will be a calm submission to God's sovereign purposes. I think Paul understood this, didn't he? You think about the life of Paul, all the things that he endured, how he was shipwrecked, how he was beaten, how he was stoned almost to death. And yet when he writes to the Philippians, he says, For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer needs. See, Paul understood that even through all the trials of his life, even when he was being imprisoned, he he knew what it was to be content with God's providence. He was going to meekly endure whatever God in his kindness and goodness gave to him. He'd come to realise, hadn't he, that godliness with contentment was great gain. And for Paul, this meant even when life was tough, even when he had the thorn in the flesh, And it wasn't removed. Even in sickness, Paul could say, you know, I'm content. His grace is sufficient. And as believers, we should seek this meekness. We should humbly submit, shouldn't we, to God's will, even when we're under the rod of his affliction. That's why Peter writes, doesn't he? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. If you want to read a good book on the subject of meekness and humility during the trials and afflictions of life, can I recommend Thomas Boston's work, you know, The Crook in the Lot? I'm sure some of you have read it. But it's a very good book in helping to put the valleys of life and the trials of life and the difficulties of life into an eternal perspective. And that we're to have this meek attitude, accepting what God gives us in this world. It's this kind of meekness that says, like the hymn writes, you know, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. And we're to be willing to be subject to whatever God gives to us. This avenue of meekness says, my times are in thy hands. Or like Job, we say, you know, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's a quiet submission to the will of God of almighty God. But secondly, not only should we show a sensitivity to the will of God, but we should show sensitivity to the word of God. Just turn with me to James chapter 1 this evening. James chapter 1. 
and verse 21 and following. James 1.21 Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own souls. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And James here says, look, we're to receive the word of God with meekness. We're to submit ourselves to it, and it should shape our lives and the way that we live. When we come to the word of God, we're to acknowledge that it comes from him and we should want to obey it. It's a meekness. It's a meekness that Josiah had. You remember in the Old Testament, we're told that his heart was tender when he heard the word of God. He humbled himself as he heard it being read to him. And the question is, do we? You know, Christ likened those who heard his sayings and then went and did them to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And that's the question we need to ask ourselves, isn't it? Are are we like this? Are we like the wise man? Are we the meek person who hears the word of God? How do we approach God's word? How do we approach it on the Lord's day when we hear it preached? How do we approach it on a Wednesday night? How do we approach it when we come to read it ourselves? Do we submit ourselves, humble ourselves, meekly under God's words? Or do we come you know, a bit like the child who comes to the pick-and-mix counter and we choose what we want and we leave the rest behind? <coughs> James says, no, we're to receive it, all of it, with this same meekness. Well, there's, I think, uh, how we may exercise this grace. But let's move on to, thirdly, this evening, uh, some examples that illustrate this grace. Now, there's lots of examples we could use in Scripture who of people who display this meekness. People like Moses, of course, we're told, who was meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. You could add David, you could add Abraham. You can think of examples in the life of Jeremiah. Uh, They all showcase this grace at at times in their lives. But particularly, they show a a grace that's this, this horizontal grace towards man. But I want to just look with you at two occasions that highlight this meekness that we focused on tonight, this meekness of submitting to the will and to the word of God. And just turn with me to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10. Here we have an example of submitting to the will of God. Leviticus 10, and we'll just read from verse 1. Leviticus 10 verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. 
You see, Aaron has just watched his two sons break the commandments of the Lord. He watches as fire falls from heaven from the Lord and devours them. And Moses explains why the Lord has just destroyed his two sons in front of his very eyes. And yet in meekness, he quietly submits to the will of God. He knows it would be foolish to argue with God. He knows that God is just. He knows God is holy. You see, again, this this right understanding, true understanding of who God is. And so we read there that Aaron held his peace. And so he shows this meekness to the will of God. But then let me give you another example, this time of somebody who shows a meekness towards the word of God. Just turn with me to 1 Samuel and chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is the occasion when, you remember, Samuel as a young boy is spoken to by the Lord and the Lord tells him what's about to come to pass. He shows to him that Eli's sons, his wicked sons, are going to be killed and... uh, Samuel wakes up in the morning and and the following morning Eli wants to know in in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 16 it says then Eli called Samuel and said Samuel my son and he answered here am I and he said what is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee I pray thee hide it not from me God do so to thee and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee and Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. And so here you see, here's an example, he hears the word of God. And you notice in both examples with Aaron and with Eli here, they hear something that is perhaps not pleasant for them to hear. It's not good in that sense for them. Aaron's sons have been killed. Here Eli's told that his two sons are going to be killed. And yet he calmly and and meekly submits to the word of God. He says it's the Lord's. This is the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's words. Let him do what seemeth good. And so there's this this meekness. There's this submission to the will and the word of God. But as we've said every week, our greatest example is always the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who, remember, is meek and lowly of heart. He says, learn of me. We see his meekness, don't we, displayed in every area of his life. But I think particularly as we think of meekness towards God, we see it in that reading, particularly that we had earlier on in Luke chapter 22 in Gethsemane. There's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he, in his divine nature, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows everything that's going to come to pass at Calvary. And he sees it all. And we read those words in Luke 22, in verse 42. He says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Here's his human nature saying, Lord, please take this away. I don't want to endure this. I know that this is, this is going to be agony. But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In his humanness, he shrinks back at the thought of all that he will have to endure, but he's willing to submit to all that the Father has laid up for him. And so our prayer can be tonight, can't it, that we would imitate our Saviour, like we've been saying week after week now, as we put these clothes on, as we seek to put on this meekness. May we be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. May we wear this ornament of meekness. You see, in a sense, this is not an item of clothing to put on. It's more like a piece of jewellery to put on. 
It's something that shines. It's something that, that dazzles. It's, a, it's beautiful. And yet, we haven't time this evening to think about this, but there's so many promises laid up for those who are meek. He tells us that the meek will increase their joy. He tells us that the meek shall, be, shall eat and be satisfied. Of course, Christ says, blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. And so as we come to a time of prayer this evening, let's pray that we would, not only as we put on these other graces, but that we would put on this meekness and have this submission to God and to his will and to his words.